Hey guys, welcome to the Comedy Preneur Show. I'm James Creveston, and I hope you guys like interviews. I love interviews. I don't know what it is about it, but I feel like I learn so much more when someone talks to me and shares their knowledge with me. So today, we have an amazing guest that's going to drop all kinds of knowledge bombs on you. But before we get to that, please like, subscribe, leave a comment, show me some love. Show me and show my guests some love because they're coming, they're spending their time to, to talk to us, to talk to me and talk to you and share knowledge. And today we have a great guy, a guy who's been a mentor to me in person, been a mentor to me online, who I always send the same email to him. Hey, Marty, I don't know if you remember me, but this is James from the Clean Comedy uh, Challenge. We met back in this day. You know, I do that all the time. That's like my thing that I do to him. I, and he always laughs. He's like, I know who you are. So this is Marty Simpson. Let's get to the interview because you guys are going to love it. So come on, let's go. everybody it's james this is the comedy preneur show and today we have an amazing guest this guy is ahead of the curve so before we all got locked up and stuck at home this guy was letting you do comedy from your house already he had a show going he's been doing comedy for years he's produced and helped work on the clean comedy challenge uh that's where i met him at he was a great mentor to me told me a lot of things that helped my comedy career and now he's gonna help you do your comedy from your own house so please welcome the amazingly talented and funny marty simpson awesome that's cool can you hear that can you hear the crowd cheering yeah i love it okay that's just i'm coughing now <coughs> that's awesome to choke right into your intro that's fantastic right. <laughs> i did live radio for like 10 three years and you had a cough button back then but now they just see you drink the water on zoom and stuff yeah no that's that's perfectly fine so can you what year what year did you come to the challenge 2017 uh, I want to maybe it was or 18. 16 or 17. I don't know. It was in, it was 16. in Pasadena. Oh, yeah. It might have been 16. Who won the year you were there? Todd Justice? Yep, Todd Justice. Okay, so that was 2016. Yeah, that was a good group of, of, of comics that year. So, no, we met back then. I appreciate you shouting out the Clean Comedy Challenge, too. That's Leslie Norris Townsend's thing, too. So, if she's tuning in on this, on um, the, you can check out Leslie Norris Townsend's funnyleslie.com or cleancomedychallenge.com. That's not my thing. I just, I won it in 2012. Yay, me. Shout out. <laughs> Um, and she has me back and she treats me like royalty. So it's a lot of fun working with Leslie, but yeah. So, uh, it was actually at the challenge, uh, that challenge that, um, a group of us afterwards, uh, went to an open mic in Pasadena area near the ice house where the challenge was. And, um, it was on Periscope live. So it was just like a, you know, in LA, you know, full well, trying to get stage time is remotely close to impossible. And, um, so we were in LA just like, oh, we should do an open mic. And then you start looking and you're like, hey, it's not even going to be worth it to drive around traffic and get on a list and go at 3 a.m. But this one guy had on the little, whatever it's called, the, there's like a website that has a name that lists every mic in L.A. What is it called? It's the, the walk or the. There's like Bad Slava and then there's like, uh, there's another one. But yeah, it has like the comedy. It's like the comedy walk, walk or the comedy stalk or the comedy something. And um, it's actually a pretty good um, resource. But it listed this one guy and he had a studio kind of like we're sitting in right now. And he, the comics would watch each other do the sets live in the room. So you had like six people in the audience, but it was like the size of a bedroom. I mean, I think it was just like an apartment he renovated and it was like a bedroom, but he had a, an oversized computer monitor wired to an iPad and you were on Periscope. And at the time, the show had a few hundred followers that tuned into this show. So you were on stage with this iPad, like right here 
and kind of, you know, talking to the iPad, but the people were laughing right here. And you could see the little bubbles of laughter. And I just thought that was really cool. And then they started heckling in the comments, like saying things about the show. And you could follow on in the audience and you could see who they liked and didn't like as the show was progressing. So it was like, this was four years ago. So that was, I got home and there were some friends at the challenge that we had made there in Alaska and in California. And I'm in South Carolina. So we were like, why don't we do something online that we could be a, a part of? But we didn't know Periscope and like the guy had followers and he doesn't do it anymore because I, I reached out to him when I started Punch-Ons in Pajamas. Aaron, to, his name like, is Aaron, right? Do what? Aaron? Yeah, 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 it was Aaron. Did you make him? World Comedy Studios. Yeah, yeah, I've had some interactions with him. He's yeah, guy. yeah, and it was not endorsed by the Clean Comedy Challenge, I'd like to say that, but it was a, it was a cool idea. And I like reached out to him and emailed him and he was like, yeah, that, that kind of fell off by the wayside. So um, from that standpoint, I just thought, I started thinking then what, what could be there. I liked the idea of that flittering thing, but I also like the idea of just working with other comics and, and cause the best part about open mic is going with your friend and then sitting afterwards, uh, you know, and talking about the jokes, talking about what you're doing and developing it. So it really became pretty quickly more of a, like an online writing group that we all just kind of, tell our new jokes into the computer and, and go with it. So it became really clear early on that we didn't want it to be live streamed to the public because it was an open mic. It was like, you know, sometimes bad material with sometimes no end and no punchlines or whatever. But I started, um, it's kind of funny now cause, uh, I'm narcoleptic, which, uh, I take medicine for narcolepsy, which is like right here, by the way, the, um, which is like ADHD medicine, but it's the same thing. It keeps me awake, but I've been narcoleptic for like 25 years. And so, I can't talk about that on stage though, because it's hack, because like the whole subject of narcolepsy is kind of hack. And so if I do my narcolepsy jokes, I can't be like, but I really have it and I'll have the right to tell it and stuff. So, <laughs> but now everybody is streaming an open mic with thousands of followers. I'm like, I've been doing that for like three and a half years. What, what's, why, well, what's going on? But we have about 250 people that follow the Facebook group. They're comics and we get anywhere from like 10 to 20 people in there at a time. Sometimes it's five or six, which sometimes are the better ones but we started having a little headliner to kind of draw people in. And we found even then it's just, you know, uh, if there was 25 people in here waiting for them to laugh at it. It just, is not the same as, but it is the same in terms of running your new idea right. that you've got uh, by people who are there to listen. And, and it removes the whole like bitterness of the open mic comic in the back of the room, waiting his turn, like not listening to your jokes on their phone. Like they're not like, I, I picture New York and LA comics picturing our open mic with 25 people in a zoom doing this in the background, like not <laughs> yeah. paying attention to each other. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> so I came up with the branding, like this was the hacky joke now. Cause it was like, I wanted to have it be pants optional open mic, <laughs> but I do clean comedy. And I just was like, this is not like square with my branding and stuff. So I came up with punchlines and pajamas sort of as the G rated version of it. But, um, and so it's actually just on my website, you can sign up and we've got these real formal rules written about four minutes set and do this and the other. And really it's like, if you join our meeting on when we have it, like you get to do stage time. And, um, but like you might join in and be like, yeah, I just want to watch and check it out. And then by like the seventh comic, you're thinking like, oh yeah, this is really easy. I'm just going to run a joke or two and we're going to talk about it. So it's, it's really more like if, you know, it's more like the conversation after an open mic with six comics having drinks at a, at a bar talking about the show in an open mic, if that's, if that makes sense. So it's a pretty cool, it's pretty cool. And I made, I met some comics and got some stage time out of it. Like when I would come to LA or come to different locations and I've gotten some gigs out of it from the comics who've done that. So 
if you want to make fun of me for being a comedy coach that has only been doing it, you know, 10 or 12 years that I'm trying to leverage young comics and stuff, that's, that would be an accurate roast. No, not at all. I mean, that's a, there's, this is the future of comedy, right? We don't know what's happening. And some people like you were ahead of the curve, right? I, we, I've tried some different shows or different things and right. it's not easy. So once you kind of get in the rhythm and you can build uh, a show or you can build a, a, a program to be able to have people, I mean, listen, nobody's going out to the stages right now. There's no clubs open. There's nothing for you to do. So if you can only do it from your house, you know, in front of your computer and at least get some form of feedback. It's okay. I've heard comedians be like, well, it's not the same. You're not going to get the same feedback and you're not doing it standing up a bubble. It's like, okay, well, yeah, you can find a way to justify not practicing. Anybody can, right? When I played baseball, I would find reasons not. I'd be like, well, I spent all Saturday at the batting cages. I don't it's cold. It's yeah. cold outside. The bat yeah. will crack. I pay a lot of money for this bat. I don't want to yeah. go out and take batters. Yeah, I would say that's 100% the reason I started it because um, this will sound a little bit like, not elitist, but like like highfalutin comedy where if your calendar gets busy enough, it's harder to do open mics. Yeah. But when you're hungry and you're yelling in comedy, you don't have your calendar full. You can like judge the uh, older comics for like, yo, I've never see older comics at open mic. Well, they're, you know, they're working Wednesday through Sunday and they're tired on Tuesday night at midnight and don't want to wait in line for hundred people. But so I just thought if we could walk into your computer room, turn on a computer and have 12 people that, you know, want to listen to each other's jokes for an hour. Like it actually is, it was part of me trying to develop my act further, more intensely with less effort. And, um, meaning less effort like if you could take batting practice at your computer for 40 minutes at home as a baseball player well of course you would do that and um so it, it is different though i mean all of the people arguing is not the same i'm live in the room I just, th those are real arguments right but now uh maybe you should have been developing your ability to be funny in an online streaming show for such a time as this <laughs> you know like that is but i mean i don't know that i have any of the answers i just um and know that a small group of people have tuned in repeatedly to punch on the pajamas. And so it's, it's a success from that standpoint. It's not a success. Like we have a wild following of people flocking to it, but it is funny how often, like we have a lady um, that's from Canada that lives in New Zealand. Wow. And she's okay. come like 10 or 15 times and she just like has her accent. But so I'm doing an open mic with the lady halfway across the planet. I mean, that's pretty cool. And her references, none of us get, and we all stare at the screen and then make fun of it afterwards because her words are different, but that, that helps her, you know, cause she goes to places where American tourists are and stuff like that. So, but in terms of like painting the picture that I was way ahead of the curve and I'm like out in front doing like massively cool things, that's, that's an inaccurate statement that I'm happy to let you propagate uh, out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it, it is interesting because I've, thought of this before and i've and i mentioned this to other comedians in la i was like we should do something like that and they're like well you're not gonna get any better you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to do anything with that that's not gonna help and i was like and so i i as a la comedian took whatever other la comedian said as gospel right well foolishly, right. Some, foolishly sometimes and uh then i was like you know what no that's not that's not right like there's so much we have so much access these are the same guys that are making sketches on youtube and telling me how they're going to be famous from youtube or instagram but they can't right. get on it's like come on man like that's not the same so right which for what it's worth i have invested a fair amount of time into uh trying to ramp up the youtube presence too which is an entirely different art form man. you know guys that get their million youtube subscribers and make little funny sketch videos and stuff the monologist, purist, stand-up comic in me wants to rail on them and be like, that's not, 
that's not what we do. But man, I sure wish that I would have paid attention because in 2012, I filmed my son's birthday party uh, in the backyard. Of course, Coach Simpson, I lined the backyard with chalk, you know, football lines, put 10, 20, 30 yard line and had the Notre Dame end zone. And then I put all these college fight songs on an iPod list and played like Florida State's fight song and Notre Dame's fight song. And we had a little eight year olds playing a game of football for his birthday party. Well, I filmed it and sent it to my brother on YouTube in L.A. Coincidentally, he's just in L.A. And uh, because he wasn't able to see my, his nephew's birthday party. Well, like five and a half, six years later, I've gotten $120 a month from Google because that birthday party has almost 3 million views on it. And you get about $100 for every 100,000 views. And then when you get to a million views, the algorithm changes. Like basically, had I just said to myself, I should become a YouTuber based on this hard data that I have and make 20 or 30 other home movie videos. I would be in the coronavirus situation with $4,000 a month of ad revenue coming in. And it was very duplicatable. Like it, if you study what's there, I got 4,200 subscribers on my family channel where we just post our home movies wow. and I can't leverage that. They don't come live to my shows to see me do stand up. They might not even know I do stand up. Cause if you, that's the one thing about, I learned at YouTube. If you change and pivot your subscribers turn on you, like, so I'll put like a little birthday video of my daughter's 16 year old birthday and it'll get 150 likes and it'll get shared and it'll get subscribers commenting because they want to see home video. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's like, I, don't, I should probably have done that. So now I've, I've reapplied all of that same logic back to studying how to repeat some YouTube stuff. And it's not easy because I have like 802 subscribers. And if you don't have a thousand subscribers on your comedy channel, you're just in the ghetto of YouTube. Yeah. And so you're right. You're exactly right that, the work ethic of coach Simpson is why the punch on the pajamas existed. Cause I have no talent. Like I don't have, I can't play the guitar. I can't sing. I can't do anything. So I was like, but I can grind it out and run jokes over and over and over again. And as you listeners probably are thinking right now, like, Oh my gosh, he's so wordy. And so like, I, uh, that's why I need open mics. I need to take a story to the stage and run it 15, 20, 30 times before it gets down to that just the parts that are funny in line at the mall or something, you know, that's, is cause I mean, my, my original stories online over mic are just go on and on and on and on. So, but yeah, I, and also it's just fellowship, you know, there's no more fun people to hang out with than other comedians that are trying to get their craft done. They're just as bitter and dead inside as you are. So you can bond quickly. And um, so it's a lot of fun. What was the, what was the biggest obstacle or the hardest part of getting something like this this online community started what was the the big hurdles that you had to jump through and if somebody wanted to duplicate this not duplicate this exact show but do some kind of online comedy show or online setup what would you recommend uh they do i think the biggest hurdle to get over is the is the paralysis of analysis like just oh wow i see this guy doing his live video and he's got seven people watching i'm, I'm not going to be that guy Right. Or, or like, oh, it's going to be awkward. Can I host an online open mic? I'm a one-liner. I'm a setup punch guy. Or is my microphone, is, is, is my guitar going to sound good in the open mic? And, you know, I do crowd work. Like, all of these things are reasons why, as a comedian, we would rather just watch Netflix. Right. As opposed to reasons why we shouldn't do it from a business standpoint. Because if we all approach the comedy business like it was our real estate business, we would have all been doing online open mics every night for 15 minutes a night, running jokes and having a writing group and doing things like Seinfeld said, he worked eight hours a day writing because it was his job. And I think that as a comedian, you find comedy and you get some success. And then that's a little bit like heroin. You're like, Oh, if I could just 
only do the heroin, then the comedy is fun. But really, the success on the stage is like 1%. That's like the pearl in the oyster. And so I think Punch on the Pajamas is just a way to get a lot of oysters in the bucket is how I view it. So I would say if you're trying to start it, start it. Walk up on the stage and call yourself a comedian and tell jokes at open mic and then you're a comedian. Just don't put it on your website yet and don't be on gig masters yet. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but like, I think, um, cause there was like five months when the, the Facebook page had 12 and 13 and 14 followers. And those 10 people would come every week and we would tell jokes to each other. And then somebody would tell a joke two months later that eight people had heard two months earlier with new lines in it and tag it and talk to them and do it. And so now I've actually been lame about it. We're doing it again next uh, Tuesday night. It'll be at, uh, I think, 7 p.m. Eastern time. We play with the time, but we've kind of stayed on Tuesdays because you get Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You're just you're not going to get any work in comics doing it. But then I would be tired and on the road. So a lot of times I'll sign on to the Zoom and then pass the host off to somebody else. And now I've got a partner in it that's just going to do it every week. But I'll still be involved. It'll still be my website and everything. And I'll, I'll be dropping in and talking about it and stuff too. So, but, but that I think that the main thing you got to do on YouTube, on anything like this, is the schedule and re repetition. So for like 7, 10, 12 weeks, five people, four people, three people, seven people. And then it just started happening where we got 250 people clicking like, like a guy like you, James, would come to the open mic. And then seven of your friends have seen it on Facebook and like, yeah, I was thinking about that. Was that lame? Was that? And you're like, no, nah, man, it was like actually pretty cool. And then somebody joins the next week from the group and they're like, oh, James said it was not, not that bad. And then when they see it happen, it's like, oh, now, now it builds. I think it's like anything else. I think that we just don't want to do it work ethic wise. Like it was hard for me to shower before this two o'clock Zoom, you know, but I was like, oh man, I got to get my camera reset up from the streaming platform and see if, so I can play a sound effect or two because I want to be able to like do my little Yoda. Yeah, I want to be able to do that. Okay, I just had copyright issues on your Zoom thing. I got hit for that on YouTube for playing the, nah, it was like a minute long thing of, of Yoda song I played, but. That's fun. But yeah, I think um, if you learn nothing else from my long-winded blubbering, blabbering is just do it and analyze it after. Don't analyze it beforehand and then make that make you not do it. Because as a football coach, I'm like, have the practice, film the practice, watch the film, correct the mistakes. Have the game, film the game, watch the game, correct the mistakes. So we had punched on the pajamas, we filmed punched on the pajamas, we watched punched on the pajamas, and we correct the mistakes. It's just, it's not, a, it's not rocket science, you know. You guys with talent are burdened by all that talent getting in your way of your work ethic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, right, I always, I always use the, uh, the Kevin Hart quote, everybody wants to be famous, but nobody wants to put in the work. So that's, that's the thing that, that all comedians come up against, right? Like, well, I'm funny, why am I not on TV? And it's like, well, how many, right. how many open mics did you go to? How many shows have you done? Are you writing every day? Are you creating new stuff? Are you right. going through your old material? If you're not doing those things, yeah, guess what? You're not going to have success. Well, and also, that's a great use for Punch Times and Pajamas is old material. Yeah. So you go through, I don't know what your process is, James, and we could talk about process, but I use Evernote. Um, and so I, I tag every new joke with a new joke, take to open mic tag. So if I haven't done the work and haven't done the homework, I can go to the open mic in the car, I can click this tag in Evernote and it'll pull up the most recent things that I've just thrown into Evernote and written the things that you're like, Oh, I want to say that on stage, but you haven't actually written. Right. And so, you know, a year and a half ago, I might've told a joke that I forgot about or it's gone or I haven't had a chance to workshop it. 
well, bringing that stuff back has led to 15 new minutes of material. I mean, I would say Punch Downs and Pajamas is, is directly responsible for 15 to 17 new polished minutes of material in my act in just a year of time. And then, but I've got probably a new 45 in that year that I feel good about, maybe a new 35 that I feel good about. But, you know, 20 minutes of it was running Punch Downs and Pajamas first, then taking on stage. The other thing Punch Down, the, the open mic does online is you can get to the stage quicker. So normally you might have to be an open mic, wait in line till 3 a.m., be tired, and then you didn't have an audience, so you don't really know. Yeah. There's like four comics in the back of the room laughing at it. doesn't necessarily mean you should tell that to a corporate setting in a, in a conference room at a, a Holiday Inn Express for a gig master's gig or something, you know. So you can get like-minded people around you. and Because if you're a, a crowd mic guy, maybe you start a crowd mic punch on some pajamas iteration where you're going to interview each other and have to improv it. If you're a setup punch guy, maybe you – put the parameters around that. You like got to do set up punch here. I didn't set any rules like that, but it, but be, I would say also be selfish. Like I wanted to have a forum where I got to talk about comedy with comedians. Uh, Cause I like analyzing other people's stuff too. Yeah. And, um, but I don't, I don't want to do that at a real open mic. Cause you don't know this comic here. You're having a, you know, you're at the bar having a drink together and you don't want to be like, you can kind of say it in conversation. Like, the code word for me usually is like, you know what I, where I thought you were going to go with that. You know, where I thought you were going to go with that is that it's kind of like your way of saying, here's a tag or here's a note. And then the comics who receive that well become my friends usually because yeah. I'm going to point the fire hose at people. And if the fire hose shuns you away, then you're not going to end up being my friend. And I just have to live with that. But it's, um, it's a constant process. So I would say be selfish and, and purpose the online thing toward what it is you want to be doing and then do it and then if nobody is watching it analyze it and correct it and make it better or stop like there's no there's no real rocket science that's how i cook also I'm like <laughs> is this enough is this enough salt is this enough salt oh yep that was enough salt like seven shakes ago <laughs> you know <laughs> next time the spaghetti will be good <laughs> so that's that's my process are you thinking about turning the the, what the open mic portion is are you thinking about taking like people who want to do a polished set or or a semi-polished set to a on online show process now that we're kind of in this zone of where there is no shows but maybe there's a, a ability to have an online show and reach I out mean, to I, the that way if i answered it honestly i probably would have to say i kind of am right now for the first time because of that question no um <laughs> <laughs> the online show like I think everybody was in a race to get to the internet and um I'm watching some of my friends do their live podcasting their live shows on the internet and they're promoting it hard for like four days and they come out and I watch it I'm like ooh, I wouldn't I wouldn't have told people about that but so my my coach Simpson plan sort of to stay non-hypocritical about the paralysis of analysis is I started what is amounting to like a Kevin Pollack chat show or like a tonight show knockoff thing that's live and um, we've done five episodes of it. And, uh, but I'm not, I put it on Facebook like the day of the show. So you have like four hours. And then when I hit live, you get, you know, your Facebook people get the live thing. So I've had 25, 30, maybe the most 40 or 50 people in the live. And then it gets 200 views when it sits there for a couple of days. But I'm trying to get 10 or 20 of those under my belt to know what it is I want to be doing. My dad's note, my dad and mom always watch my stuff and they'll give their notes. And it's cool because they're very insightful. My mom was an English teacher. My dad was a lawyer. So they're very insightful. But their first note was like, it doesn't seem like the show has a direction. And I was like, yeah, I think oh. that's because the show, 
doesn't have a direction yet. <laughs> I think, I think I'm pulling that off mom. I think I'm, I think I'm nailing that, you know? Uh, but so what I, I kind of, I mean, I've seen Steve Hofstetter started like a thing with two of his buddies, Bauer and another guy, I can't remember his name, but um, they're doing the shows. A couple of people are doing a show, um, Starving Comics, Quarantine, Johnny W, Bob Smiley, and John Branion, who would be good guests on your show to talk about this because he's getting a thousand, two thousand views each night that he does it. And they're, they're taking Venmo tips during the show and they've made, they've made some money that is impactful. It's not um, big money, but it's grocery money for the comics that are on the show, you know? And so it's kind of a cool like dry bar type model where you're like watching a comedian, you can pay him a dollar, you know, like if you're watching him. So I'd be up for being a part of that. I mean, I have the technology, I have the setup, I have the, the skill set to be able to host and to produce that type of thing. I just don't know yet um, if it could translate. And also I'm selfish, James, because my, I think my style suffers through the lens a little bit. Like, I think I'm a storyteller that, and I hate the word storyteller for comics. That just means you talk too much without punchlines. But, but I think the physical aspect of what it is I do um, is very impactful to the reviews that I get. And so it's like, ugh, if I started this whole thing and then I'm not the setup punch guy, because I feel like radio comics are perfect for this avenue. And um, I don't know. I'm probably a little scared that it just would fail. And I think that I would be quicker to succeed at a talk show type thing. And um, so that's probably more the truth is that I'm just like leaning into what I think would be successful at, but it, I would perform on somebody's show for sure. Cause I've already done three or four corporate gigs that my agent got me that basically were like what I'm doing with you with 15 salespeople that are having a happy hour once a week. And they're like, we should hire a comedian. And you know, it's like 200 bucks or hundred bucks or something to do 15 minutes of comedy before that show. I mean, before that meeting and it ends up being a conversation. I just have a conversation with the 12 people and, and do, and then, cause my, I mean, it's like my son lies slowly is material that I do a big act out with, like, you know, so it's like, I'm going to be awkward for 30 seconds and do my long act out right here in front of this small camera. It's just a weird thing where if you're a wordsmith, I think you can, you know, like Norm Macdonald said, he wasn't in a lot of the sketches at SNL, but he could look right into the camera and write funny for his voice. Yeah. And I think those people should be doing Andy Rooney every night talking about the coronavirus, talking about comedy, and they should be doing that. And I feel like right now um, I would just be average at it. And so I'm probably selfish to not do it, but. Well, I mean, your stand up stand-up style is, is unique. It is, uh, it's reminding me, I watched your special on Amazon. Uh, oh, thanks man. You're reminding me a little bit of Christopher Titus, like a one man show. Yeah kind of like I'm telling you the story and there's props and there's this and there's information and you have the whole setup. And I, I really well, there are no props. I just saw my special. I had to coach background that I yeah. borrowed from my school just to put us in there, but I didn't interact with the props. I'm not a prop no, comic. James. Not like that. My, no. my bad. My bad. But I'm saying no. like there was this whole like one man show feel to it. Like this is, I'm, you know, Christopher Titus was the first person I thought of when I was watching. I love Christopher Titus. Yeah. I love the show. I love how he goes emotional in the middle of it. Sits on his bench and talks about his dad, punching him and stuff. Like I think, um, that's probably the highest compliment you could give me to feel like you thought that I was in the, in the category of Christopher Titus. I think Ron White is probably my early, earlier than Titus, uh, inspiration. Like when Ron White was up there doing what he was doing, I thought, Oh, that's kind of like what I could do. And then Berbiglia was the other big one, but those three, Ron White, Christopher Titus and Mike Berbiglia are like my guys that, um, cause often I don't know about you, but like I gravitate toward Dimitri Martin, Mitch Hedberg, Stephen Wright, because I'm, I'm the story guy. So what I find funny is not 
the story guy, like Bill Ingvall, for example, is the guy that I am on the blue collar of the four. Bill Ingvall is who is cast of that mold. But Ron White makes me laugh a little more. Foxworthy makes me laugh a little more. So I don't want to be, I don't want to be Bill Ingvall in that four. I want to be Foxworthy. But if I try to be Foxworthy, then my jokes aren't as funny. So I had to figure out a way, you know, I kind of tell people like, I'm a big leaguer. I'm a major league player doing what it is I do in this narrow window of what I do. But if I get out of that little narrow window, I'm a single A player that is going to, you know, go back home and be a high school baseball coach. You know, like, so, and I feel like if I can get in an eight minute story that has 50 punchlines in it and bring you along for the ride and have two lines in it that relate to something 40 minutes ago that I said that also makes some soccer moms emotional along the way, that's the pocket I want to be in. So, but yeah, so I think I could probably Paul Harvey this thing. Like I could probably look into the camera and do some story profoundness to that, which is actually an idea you're giving me in this awesome podcast. So that's kind of good. Thank you for that. I didn't think of that until this conversation. So this is punchlines and pajamas. Like we just had a little two person writing group that is going to help my comedy development because we took the time to sit here on two o'clock and do this. Now in coronavirus, <laughs> there's nothing else to do. Right. But that's not true because I've got 90 videos I need to be editing and stuff. So I did take the time out of my day when you, t- when you messaged me and said, okay, well, and, I, and part of it was, and I'm not lying, part of it was if I talk comedy for 30 minutes, something good will, will come from that. Yeah. And, um, and we just did. In fact, I'm literally typing in my Evernote, Evernote right now. So it's, I'm going to tag it with amazing ideas from James. <laughs> I, I, uh, I want you to know my process is I write everything in little notes in my iPhone and uh-huh. then I transfer that to a Google doc. And so I have a one for every year that I've been doing comedy. And then when oh, I, nice. do, I go through there and I take out, I take out ideas and build sets and stuff. So, but I have 138 pages of, of jokes written. Right. It's like way too many because then I'm like, ah, I don't know. This is fun. And then you get stuck and I'm like, all right, I got to stop doing that. But I, I think of stuff all the time. Well, and I think what you what you're finding too is what I would describe that I'm going to say coronavirus ideas. I'm putting this in Evernote because if you don't stop and do it right then, you don't ever yeah. remember it, and then you remember it seven months later, and you're like, oh, I thought of that a while ago. Should have been doing that. Coronavirus ideas. Paul Harvey story time right into the camera. Titus. But yeah, no, I love I love Titus's show too. I thought Titus yeah. did the best job of taking his style of comedy to the step to the sitcom format. And uh, Foxworthy didn't at all do that. And his shows were terrible, but I love Fox. I mean, Foxworthy is probably top three for me in terms of just the guys doing it the right way. He doesn't make me laugh the way Hedberg makes me laugh, but Foxworthy is like an idol in terms of that. Yeah. But, um, let me see. Hold on. Comedy idea. That's the thing is I tend to, like you, I tend to pick comedians that are not my same style. Like I'm, I love people like Anthony Jeselnik or Daniel Tosh who are a little darker and say a little th- things a that little I, would never, I would never say uh, ever. And but then I'm like, oh, that's so smart. That's so funny. That's so yeah. different than me. And but I'm that's not my style. And then you know I'm a bit huge fan of Jerry Seinfeld. He's like one of my right. comedy idol. And I literally every year. This is the only year we haven't done it yet. Although hopefully it comes back. Um, we go to Vegas for a weekend, and he does uh, two different weekends in Vegas. One at the, like the beginning of the year, one at the end of the year. And we go and watch Jerry Seinfeld do stand up. Mm. And it's usually the same set. I mean, he does right. like, jokes or whatever. But it's like watching magic happen, right? Uh-huh. And you're like, what is this? I can't, how do I replicate this? How do I learn this? And you just feel. Right. I remember in a hotel, there was, we were traveling. It was back years ago when Tiger Woods chipped in on 16 at the Masters, the Nike logo rolled over the ball and then 
fell in. He couldn't like Nike couldn't have written that into a movie and had it be believable that their product placement would be huge on the screen for 30 seconds as the ball rolled in and then Tiger Woods. Did, ah! It's like, it's iconic Tiger Woods shot. And we went nuts, like going crazy. The, the two guys in the room that knew golf and knew the masters and I'm from South Carolina. So I'm biased towards the masters. And the other two comics were like, isn't pulling for Tiger Woods kind of like pulling for Michael Jordan. <laughs> and we both looked at each other. We're like, yeah, it's exactly like that. Michael Jordan is freaking amazing. <laughs> like, it's really fun to pull for Michael Jordan. He's the best that's ever played. Like, what are you talking about? This is greatness. We're watching greatness. Now, Tiger then went on to have his own personal issues and personal demons and whatnot. I'm not going to get into that. But that moment when he chipped in, it was just like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. And so watching Seinfeld do material that you know, that you know well, that is like, if you, had, if you found fault with that, it would be like saying, I don't want to go see Led Zeppelin because they're going to sing Stairway to Heaven. And I've heard that, you know, 5,000 times. And so it's the opposite for me. Like, I mean, I want to see Peter, Pete Holmes do, I, I went to an open mic where Pete Holmes was the headliner in LA last time I was out there and he did 20 minutes and he went first, which is kind of interesting. I realized, oh yeah, he went first so he could jet. That's funny. Like he didn't, like the, the Facebook propaganda got everybody to fill that room because Pete Holmes was there, but then he went first and then left. But he was working out material, like grinding through stuff, laughing at how it didn't work. And then he, but then he fell into some stuff that killed. Like that, I do love seeing the process happen. Kevin Nealon has his show in LA that's like the new material night. I love seeing that happen. But then also, like you said, like you want to go see Seinfeld once a year and see, like you want to see Pele play soccer in your lifetime if, if you're alive and Pele's playing soccer, you know, like that's, especially if you are a comedian. Yeah. Like why wouldn't you want to see the best that's ever done it do it? So I agree wholeheartedly with that. That's always say is like comedians should be studying comedy. I just did the Steve Martin master master class. I'm going to do the Judd. How was that? How was Steve Martin's class? Like I've heard mixed reviews. It's uh, it's if you're a beginning comedian, that's not great because he doesn't really teach like joke writing or stuff. He kind of goes over his stuff. But if you are a comedian who's already performed, you understand how comedy works. There's a lot of little nuggets in there. And then if you're Mm -hmm. also interested in things like, um, writing uh, comedy films or uh, different kinds of comedy, not just straight stand-up, like maybe a little more prop comedy or silly comedy or zany comedy. Right, right, right. We don't, we don't have any of those people now that I could think of. I mean, Carrot Top, but he has residency in Vegas, so you're never going to – but we don't have those anymore. So he's very uh, interesting in that, and I love his stories about writing. I mean, one of my favorite comedy movies is The Jerk. Like, I absolutely oh, love yeah. it. I think it's – perfect in every possible way from from opening to closing that movie's perfect a perfect comedy film yeah no i i think i agree so i'm what i'm hearing you say is like even if it's not like judy carter right joke it's like inspiring like it got your yes. mind thinking in ways that, that benefited you for the money you spent on it and stuff like that yeah i wrote i wrote a ton of ton of ideas down as i was watching it i'll be like oh like what we had here i'll be like oh my gosh that's genius you know there's a nugget there and there's a nugget there and so I just, and I'm also a huge Steve Martin fan. Like I have yeah. every single one of his, you know, stand-ups, and I listen to, and I've read his book like 20 he's times. He's, he's amazing. The Born Standing Up, right? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, so, no, I listened to it on. I listened to the unabridged version on on like four different comedy trips. Just listened to it. I loved it. Loved all of it. It's so smart. And so next one is going to be Judd Apatow, and that's because I also write, you know, screenplays, and I wrote a web series mm-hmm. last year, and, and and it was put on Facebook Watch, and just those things like that. So I have aspirations i love stand-up stand-up is like my one love but i have aspirations outside of that i i basically want to be the next judd apatow like i want yeah and apatow is the best like uh like in terms of the product that he puts out there 
yeah. he hit my funny bone the most. Like, like if it's produced by Judd Apatow or directed or written by Judd Apatow, I'm probably going to spend the time invested in watching it. Just like forgetting Sarah Marshall to me, what he was, he just produced it. So Jason Siegel wrote it, I guess. But that's probably my funniest, the, the funniest movie for me. Superbad is probably in the top three. Like as a Christian comic does churches, I can't endorse you watching Superbad, <laughs> but it's kind of my testimony. Like the kid, Michael Sarah's character pretty much was me in high school. If he also was a jock and played football, but I just, had that weird dual existence where I was an athlete, but I wasn't, I wasn't the glee jock character that was like picking on the band. I was like hanging out with the band kids and stuff. So it was like super bad. It was cool. So I, I like, I like save the cat is a book that some people make fun of, but I've like wrote like five different little ideas for sitcoms and then five or six different movie ideas. Then I actually ended up writing a whole movie that's horrible. It's a terrible script, but, but while you're writing a book, I mean, while you're reading a book like that, if it produces that work, then it's fruitful. So that's what I'm hearing you say about masterclass of Steve Morris. That's cool. I might go ahead and check that out actually, but because we have time, <laughs> we yeah. have some time here to we do some time. stuff. So well, what I was hoping to do is get my show, uh, um, Marty's hang time off the ground to be able to do like a Wednesday weekly video to podcast internet streaming show in the fall when I'm, when I'm touring again. So you go on the road Friday, Saturday, Sunday, when Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then get your guests to come in on Monday or Tuesday and then film it and then edit it and put it on Wednesday as a podcast or something. But so these live rehearsals, it's called Marty's hang time to just kind of imply we're just hanging out talking, but also I was a punter and kicker in college. So it's like a, a play on the word hang time. And um, so that's kind of what we're doing right now. Like you, if I was the host of this is basically an episode of Marty's hang time ish <laughs> kind of was set. We have little segments. I don't know if you've seen Kevin Pollack chat show or not, but that's, that's one of my things that I just enjoy I like, I like his style of doing it. And um, I think Pollock and I are probably equal on the narcissistic spectrum. So <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it fits well with my, with my uh, style of stuff, but um, that's cool. So you're based in LA, right? Yeah. Yeah. Based in LA. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. The writing and stuff. I hate when I talk to comics that are just like, eh, yeah, I'm not doing that. Like there needs to be five, six, seven different avenues of things that we're doing if you're taking it seriously. And I tend to invest in the people and relationships around me that, that are taking it seriously, meaning you are kind of what you hang around in a way. And so, if, you know, you're just up late at night smoking weed, doing nothing else, but writing weed jokes and going to open mics, telling weed jokes, then you're going to be the weed joke comic. But if you're hanging around people that are motivated and stuff like that. So I think the hurdle, my brother is the most talented person I've ever been around. He's written four or five songs. Emmy, Emmy nominated songs that appeared on the Simpsons comedy songs. He's, tours he's Wayne Brady's musician on the road for like seven years in improv groups not anymore but like back when before Wayne broke and really got his big break by winning the Masked Singer um that was was the best show lately the Masked Singer but um but my brother is is so talented that he sees it in his head the way he wants it to be and then he burdens himself with the journey of making it look that way and feel that way and sound that way and be that way and so his finished products are far and few between and I'm like, just like bleh, vomiting on everything. And I have about the same number of finished products of the two or three worth finishing out of all that vomit are there. And so it's just a different, we kind of come to the same quality from a different, whole different perspective. Right. And I think it's good to hang around people that are different than you like that. So it's good. I always, always say that you have to come up, you have to have your own process of how you, how you do things because everyone's mm. process is different. Like I know every day I'm going to write at this time and I have a specific drink and a specific 
music that I listen to and everything that gets me in the zone. So like, right. And I'm getting depressed inside hearing that, that process. And then that's what your point is. Yeah. And like, and you would, and you would applaud my process of like, I interrupt my family dinner and run out of the room and write down the things my kids just said, because if I don't, I'm not going to say it at open mic the next time. And if I did, if I did what you do, uh, I've tried it and I'm really productive and I should do it more often. And I'm just lazy, but I'm just kidding. But when I do it, it is like, um, it's an overwhelming sense that I'm wasting time because of how little that it produces. But I have these other five, six, seven streams of things. So when I sit down to do the writing, it's actually video editing or planning the the thing we're going to film. And so there's the people who do what you're doing might have analysis of paralysis analysis in other areas where I'm like, you know, a 10 out of 10, but structure of time, I'm a, I'm a one out of 10. And so you would be a good business partner for me because you would have, you would apply the structure to it. And that, and I've actually found that in Sean Reynolds, who's a comedian you should have on your show. By the way, I can give you his link, Sean Reynolds comedy and stuff. He's um, just started a podcast, dropped his dry bar. He's doing, he's killing it. But um, the topic of his show would be how to leave your full-time job, how to know when to leave your full-time job. Cause he was an Aldi, Aldi store manager, wow. a regional manager, award-winning guy, making a ton of money, had five kids, but then went full-time into comedy successfully. And he's, but he's that guy. That's the I daughter T crosser business CEO. And he and I came together and kind of formed an alliance that, that helps each other a lot. So I think it's important to find those people around you or else you're not going to make it. You can't make it out there alone. Being funny. Everybody's funny. You know, I go to, if I go to open mic in LA and I'm 30th in line and there's 27 people that I watch do comedy that I think, Oh gosh, that guy's funnier than I am. Yeah. You know, gosh, he thinks really funny. Like I wish I thought as funny as that guy. Yeah. And then I go home and look at his website and it's like a blogger.com powered by Google two page website from 2009. And he probably hadn't had a gig in five years. And he's probably looking at me going like, Oh, that guy works all the time. I'm funnier than him. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, you know, I just think to the people that to, to your original question, just do it is Nike's theme and I'm an Adidas guy, so we won't use Nike's thing. <laughs> but I think that, do the work and then analyze the work and then correct your mistakes. And if you fear making the mistakes, then just go back to your other job because all it is, all our life as comedians is, is figuring out how to correct the mistakes. And if you don't want to call it that, you're just lying to yourself. Right. Well, thank you so much for being on this. Where can people find you? Where can they check out punch on zip pajamas? Where can they learn more about uh, what you're doing? Well, the best way is to follow the Facebook page, Punchlines and Pajamas, because that's where we cancel or postpone or post the time of it. So, but then it'll have a link every week to go to martysimpson.com slash PNP, PNP, just to, it'll take you to the Punchlines and Pajamas page. But the Facebook page has all the links there. And uh, it's amazing to me how quickly people will send a message and ask a question that's answered if they would just do this. Quick. <laughs> they could scroll down like the page loads. And then the question is answered right there. And they're like, oh, I got to find messenger. I got to find messenger and ask them what time it is this week. What time is it this week? And I'm like, it's 7 p.m. Eastern time right there, right, right (laughs) there. And then they're like, oh, can I join in and not have to do material? And literally that one was like right there on the screen. So anyway, uh, but punchlines and pajamas, but also martysimpson.com spelled just like OJ and the television show. And, uh, but M-A-R-T-Y and, um, and then crosstowncomedy.com is our kind of business venture fun stuff that I like to promote. This is my crosstown comedy stuff there. And I would show you that 
that, but I don't want to wear a hat backwards more than about two seconds. Cause <laughs> and there, I'm not afraid to be bald. I'm not Brett Michaels. I just like my hat. Yeah. There we go. Awesome. Thank you so much. And Thanks for uh, having I'll, me, man. You're doing good stuff, James. Keep doing it, man. Keep plugging away. I would say uh, a buddy you. of mine uh, who's kind of spiritual, I don't know if you're into this kind of thing or not, but he yeah. said he, he kind of was praying in his prayer time and he got a, a thought for me specific to me that he said that he was just hearing, stay the course, you know, stay the course. And we're all out there. I felt like I had my big break, James. Like I, my life was changing March, April, and May were the best three months I was ever going to have. And then I signed a contract to do this giant thing in the fall. That's going to be life changing for me. And you know, maybe none of it is going to happen now. So I'm like, Moses, I took, took this 15 year journey to make it. And then I don't get to go in the promised land because of the virus. And so, but from an ego standpoint, I won because I made it. And then, but from an actual pay the bill standpoint, I might be a football coach here in the fall, if I, <laughs> but, but a virtual one, because you gotta, you gotta teach from the school, but, a, but it is the first time in my marriage that I've been very grateful. My wife was a school teacher because they kept getting paid. So that was yeah. pretty good. I like to work special needs kids. So that's awesome. Well, thanks for watching my show. And also Amazon prime clean. If it kills me, Marty Simpson, you can, y'all can check that out and make me a 14 cents or whatever I make when you watch it. Perfect. Thank you so much. Hey guys, I know that was a long interview, uh, about 40 minutes or so. And it was great. There's so much great stuff in there. And Marty Simpson's an amazing guy. Like I said, in the beginning, he taught me so much. I learned a ton from him and this interview has little nuggets all through it. So if you didn't go and listen to the whole thing, go back, listen to it multiple times. He's so inspiring. The other thing is, like he said, you think something's going to change your life in one second? You think that one thing is going to come and change everything? That's not the case. It's not how life works. It's little incremental growths. And there's always a wrench in the works, guys, always. So keep hustling, keep working, keep grinding. Write every day, tell a joke every day, you know, write a story, whatever you're into, whatever your thing is, do that every day. Work hard at it because honestly, I'll tell you right now, I grind every single day, every day. Well, I take Sundays off, right? That's Sabbath day, whatever. But other than that, every day I'm grinding. I'm writing something. I'm working on a project for someone else. I'm working on my own projects. I'm editing videos, whatever it is. I'm doing stuff every single day. And that's what you have to do. If you want to be a comedypreneur, if you want to move forward, if you want to turn, go from just telling jokes on stage to making money from them jokes off on and off stage, you have to grind. You have to hustle. So like, subscribe, follow, get ready for more stuff, more great interviews like this, more tips and tricks for you, more information. Check out comedypreneur.com. There's over 60 articles on there, and it's growing every day with more information and more stuff to help you out. Thank you again for watching. Thank you again for listening. Have a great one. See you soon. Bye. Yeah.